Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I like superhero movies. You guys like superhero movies? Yeah, right? Okay. Well, I mean, the fact that summer blockbuster movies are typically the biggest sellers are superhero movies. I like to believe that I'm not the only one, but I like superhero movies. I think I like them not just because of the action, but really the characters. Heroes are heroes for a reason. Heroes are heroes for a reason. And it's because that they have to do the hard things that makes them heroes. Sometimes they have to change their mindsets in order to become heroes. To do the extraordinary things, they have to get out from their old way of thinking. Uh, I remember um, one of the earliest cartoons, Peter Parker. You guys remember Peter Parker? Okay. Before he got his spidey sense and before he got his spidey powers, he just wanted to be a normal teenager. And so even when he got zapped and he had extra strength and all these other things, he saw crime and he's like, not my business. He just wants to be a normal teenager. Until his uncle said, with great powers come great responsibility. You guys remember that? This changed that teenager from becoming an ordinary self-centered teenager to becoming a superhero. Because he recognized with such great power comes great responsibility. Now, did you know that that, those words are inspiration of Jesus, right? inspired by the words from Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, from, every, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from, one, from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. With great powers come great responsibility. And if the Lord has entrusted you much, Much will be expected, demanded, expected. The words implies that he wants to give it to you, but much will be expected. Is it possible that our Lord has given his people something extraordinary that you might live an extraordinary life? Not to be ordinary or regular as you were, but better to live the life of abundance that Jesus says, hey, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've come to give you shalom. All the promises that he has given, is it possible that he he released that and says, I expect more from you because I have given you more. Last week, we looked at Matthew 25 with looking at the parable of the talents. And it was to consider the biblical stewardship, right? And biblical stewardship, in a nutshell, is this. We own nothing. God owns everything. God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in between, and then he made man and woman in his own image, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. God who made everything is the owner of everything that he made man and woman and says, 
be fruitful and multiply. If God owns everything, then he has given man and woman, us, entrusted with his resources, with his assets, to be managers. We own nothing. God owns everything. That in itself is a biblical stewardship. I mean, I can make it much more complicated, but it's pretty simple, right? And if we are mere managers, he is going to expect a certain expectation. Sorry, my thesaurus is running out of words tonight. (laughs) There's a demand. And I think we look at the... um, the parable of the talents, but also the parable of the mina, which is parallel to stories, right? And I'm going to go back and forth, but I want to look at that biblical stewardship to say, to look at what is it that the Lord has entrusted to us and what is it that he expects from us? Because if we are living for ourselves, we might as well be Peter Parker. But if we recognize that there is something greater, power, in us, then there is a greater responsibility that we can and we should. And that's what we're going to look at. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to read the whole parable of the talent because I did so last week, Matthew 25. But if you remember Matthew 25 and parable of the talents, in the context of Matthew 24 and 25, it's about the end times eschatology, you know, talk. Jesus was talking about, you know, they're coming out of the temple, and they're like, whoa, look at this temple. And he talks about the end times, not one stone will be unturned. And he talks about the various parables to, to convey that message where the master of the house leaves, entrusts his property to his servants, then he comes back to settle what they have done. That, that's the nature of the story, right? Now, now if you remember... In the parable of the, of the talents with the three servants, that one was given five talents, the other was two, another one was one. According to his ability. According to his ability. And each talent, it's about 20, it's, talent was a weight of monetary, whether it's silver or gold coins. But depends on the context, some say it's about half a million dollars, one talent. So we're talking a lot of money. Even that one talent wasn't just one. We're talking a lot of money, depending on the sources of that monetary conversion rate for today. Question, why did he give three different portions to the three different um, servants? But we recognize that not, let me wind back. Why did the master give three different portions instead of all equal. And we recognize that not everybody responds the same with the same resources. I think we recognize that not only is it our ability, but it's also our attitude. It's also our thinking. It is our response. I want you to look at the first servant who were given the five talents. Okay, What made him... Why did, this, did the master see, and he said, okay, he has greater ability. I'm going to give him five talents as opposed to two or one. What differentiated the servant? Well, we see from the parable that 
the one that was given the five talents in his response was that he at once, this is what the Bible says, went to work. So there's a distribution. The master gave five, two, and one. The one with the five at once wasted no time, went off to trade. The others, there was no other details. Consider that. He recognized at once, meaning he wasted no time. Of all the servants, he recognized that time was money. Not only was he entrusted with the financial resources, but he recognized the limitations of the time and the faithfulness. How many of you guys know that money, time is money? You guys know that? Sometimes I forget that. Even if you know that, sometimes we forget that. Just so you know what we're, not everyone's time is the same. Can we recognize that? There's a reason why some, certain corporations will pay some individuals to be CEO of millions of dollars as opposed to a person straight out of college. Experience. He can have much more knowledge or experience to do more in probably in four hours than an individual who comes straight out and says, I can work 16 hours and you know, work faithfully and very capable. But there's something about experience. There's something about one who is capable to do things. And so not everybody's time is equal. Okay? The sooner one recognizes the value of time and value of the resources, you have to recognize some individual's time is worth more than another person's time. My wife reminds me because she's so wise. I get caught up in all these different projects. And she says, your problem is that you can do it all. And that's a problem. Because I look at it and goes, I can do that, and I do. I can do that, and I do. And I realize there are things that are more important than some of these other things. So she's like, why don't you call somebody to get someone else to fix it, repair it, or build it? And I get the quote, I'm like, no, because I'm frugal. That's a nice way of saying I'm cheap sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she calls me out and goes, your time is worth a lot more than that. Do you guys realize that? And I forget that. I forget the value of my time because when I, in other projects or investments, I make more and I forget that. So I'm wasting time even though I'm thinking I'm saving money. And I waste my resources of time. Sooner we recognize that there is value in time, the wiser we are. Sooner we recognize that to act on them, the wiser we would be. Because the second and the third servant did not see the value of their time, did not act at once as the first one did, and their return, granted may have been positive, wasn't what the master expected. So what is time worth to you? Do you value your time? 
the servant with the five talents wasted no time. He got to work right away. And I love the master's response in verse 21. It says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servants. servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Let me read that again. I don't think I read that correctly. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into my joy. Does that sound a little bit better? Right? There should be more enthusiasm. Oh, my gosh, I totally read that wrong. Okay. There is excitement in the master's tone when he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Have you guys ever been patted on the back for, like, job well done? It feels good. Right. We, we all like being affirmed. Like, good job. Yeah. It feels good. But isn't that even better when somebody speaks prophetically into your life of who you are? You are good. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. You are mine. I can trust you. When somebody speaks into our identity, it gives us strength, doesn't it? It, it? it feels a little bit better than the little small pat on the back. When somebody speaks life and truth of who we are, how we are seen, there is power in that. The master of the house, he said, you are faithful. The word faithful there is pistos in the Greek. It is where we get the word to trust. Okay? Faith, trust, trustworthy. He's saying, you are so trustworthy. You are so um, dependable, reliable. I don't think there's a greater compliment when... The master of the house, he has all these servants, and he goes, you, I can trust, I can depend on, I can believe in you. That's saying a lot. When I was in college, I, I got in, for a season, I got into uh, international films, international Asian gangster films, um, to be more specific. Yeah. Hong Kong triad movies. Okay, if you guys have ever seen that, it, it was good. And, and in the 80s, a lot of, I don't know, I think Face Off had John Woo, was the same Hong Kong director that made, and you can see the style of that coming into the U.S. films. But uh, Chai Yun Fat was the big, you guys, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Oh, gosh, I don't even know who I'm talking with now. But let me just say, of all the gangster movies, you know why they were so attractive? It's, violence was good. You know, there's like, you know, guns flying everywhere. And then in the middle of like bullets shooting and the slow motions, you got doves flying. And it's just like dramatic effect. And it's good. But what caught me and what I rem remember was there were the characters, the main characters, and they showed absolute loyalty. And this is the Asian loyalty themes going. And, and they build up the character where the little kids are on the streets, they're poor, and one is hungry, and because one is hungry, the other one would like bring food, like help him survive. 
and, and, and the one is bullied, and the other one, like, comes in the harm's way and, like, protects him. And, and it shows, like, these characters who are from youngest to growing up saying, I got your back. And there's, like, absolute friendship and loyalty there. And then they start killing others, and they're like, you know, whatever. But that's, that's another story. What I loved about these movies was I remember thinking, I would be such a friend if I had such a friend. Because they were, it looked so noble and good that if I had such friend who had my back like that, I would be that loyal and that good to such a friend. That was the attraction uh, because there, there was such a bond of trustworthiness, faithfulness. No matter the struggles, no matter how many bullets were flying around, I, he's got my back. Yeah, except they were gangsters. But, you know, that's beside the point. <laughs> well, just like the movies, you couldn't know how trustworthy they were until they were tested. You cannot know how loyal one is until they are tested. I came to realize that dependability, faithfulness, trustworthiness is only revealed when we are tested. Not tempted, tested. When we're in a situation where we, it reveals by our action whether we are faithful or not. We like to believe that we are faithful if I was given the situation. We all think that we're really good. <laughs> we all think I'm the guy you can depend on me. I'm the faithful one, loyal one. Until we're tested, then we realize, am I? How faithful we are to the little things reveals whether God will give you the bigger things. Because it's how you deal with the little things that God says, you are faithful to that one, to the little. Now I will give you all the more. You are dependable, and I will give you all the more. The question is, does he see you and goes, you are faithful. You are good. You are my good and faithful servant, and I will set you over much. Or will. Hmm. You know, in Luke 19, there's a parable of the Minas, and I, I brought that uh, parable because they go hand in hand. The, the same topic, teaching of stewardship, but the only difference is uh, instead of the talent, it's mina, and one mina is about 100, day, 100 denarii, which is 100 days of uh, wage. So it's about three and a half months wage. Not as much as a talent, but it's still a significant amount. Instead of three servants, there's ten servants. He gives one mina to every. He, this is where the master is an equal opportunity giver. <laughs> okay? So that really is the, the only difference between these two stories. But in Luke 19.15... Uh, the story comes back where the master returns to settle the account, right? And it says this, when he, uh, the master, ha having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing 
business. So I want you to get this. The landlord called his servants together to see what they had gained in their business, business dealings. Meaning, he had an expectation of the gain. It's like, how much gain? It's not whether you're going to gain. It's how much gain. His expectation was not, well, if you're going to do business, I don't know if it will go up or it will go down. No, he, there was only one trajectory um, of expectation. It, it, let's be very clear. I think that when we think about investments, we think about the stock market and we think it goes up and down. So we, we have no idea. But in this context, the master entrusts a portion of his estate and he expects it to go up. It doesn't go down. Understand that context. It's not whether it will go up, it's how much. So the first servant comes to him and goes, Master, you know, I, I took your one mina, I got 10,000% return, 10x of your return, you know, of your investment. And that's sweet. And his response, and I, I love his response, and Luke 19, 17, he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. I want you to get that. One mina is only really three-month wage. That's a lot, but it's not that much a lot. You have been faithful too little. Now I will give you 10 cities. Because you have been faithful with what you have been given so little, but now that I can trust you, I'm going to give you 10 cities to rule. What we do with the little reveals who we are, how we respond, how we will steward the resources and manage what God has entrusted to us. It is not about the amount the Lord entrusts with his servants, but what the servants will do with the opportunity that is given to him. And I want you to get this. It's not about whether we are capable of being good business people or not. Okay? This message, this teaching, this parable is not whether we are good business people or not. That's not what I'm talking about. It is about how we handle the resources of the opportunities that we are given with the resources that we are given. Even though it may be little, what are we doing with it? And what God sees in us, how we manage it, will empower us for the next stage. Will empower us, it position us for the next. You can't rule 10 cities if you can't handle one mina. You can't say you want the nation if you can't handle your own household. Yeah, we want more. We ask for more. And, and, and the Lord says, ask for the nations and I'll give it to you. But if we are tested and we cannot handle what we are given, why would God entrust us with a bigger? When I look at the story, I look at the talents and the minas as a symbolic resources that the Lord has given to his servants. And I look at the talents, even though it was talent was a measure of money, I look at talents as talents. 
as gifts God has given. It's a symbolic measure. We all have different talents. We all have different time, resources, whatever it is that we have. What is it that we have? I don't know. Well, I, I do see some things. I look around the room, and I see a lot that the Lord has given in every one of you. I may not see everything, but I do see a lot. I see entrepreneurs. I see leaders. I see teachers who empower the next generation. I see people with certain knowledge and skills, and they are empowering the next generation. I see people capable, fully capable, with heart passion that is second to none. I see artists, creative people, prophetic people. I see so much in this room. I see so much in you. The question is, what are we doing with them? Are we being faithful to the little that has been entrusted to us? And it is how we respond to the measure that the Lord has given you that reveals the next chapter. You know, um, I think like a business person. In, in this past year, I'm learning, I'm coming to realize more of myself. Does it make sense? It, it, it's really interesting. Um, I don't want to give you my full testimony, but I was in the business world before the Lord called me. So I, I was a stockbroker. I was in corporate sales. Um, I enjoyed that area. And so I was very passionate of that field and enjoyed it. So I was really surprised when God called me into ministry. Now, when he called me into ministry, I was confused because why would he call me out of something I love into something I didn't want to do? But I wrestled with it, and the Lord revealed that when I gave my faith, he would take care of the, all these other things. Long story short, there's a certain theology that I have adopted, and that is if you're, and this is really the Korean church, and I talked about that. That was more my personal testimony, okay? I'm just saying it's not other places. This is my personal testimony of what I, what I was challenged with, and that was if I, I felt Pastors were the most overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated people. I believe that. That's why I didn't want to be that. <laughs> you guys, hmm. It's not something I want. So, God, please, call someone else. Yeah, but that was my challenge. But when God called me and I had to respond, and I knew it was an invitation. It was not like call, like you have to do this. He was giving me a choice. And I was wrestling with what I was passionate about, what I enjoyed, to what God called, what God wanted. What I want, what God wants. You guys, that was how I wrestled. And if I'm going to go by what God wants, I felt like I had to leave behind everything that I liked. That was my psychological parameter that I wrestled with. And so I was all in. My personality is... I'm either all in or not. There's nothing in between. I was all in. And then God showed me something 
interesting, in the past year, as I, um, after joining the resting place, and unlike other churches that I have served, the resting place, you, you know our motto, for the lost found, found free, and for peace to reign. And that found free, there's a big emphasis there because I have been found for a while in the past 30 years plus, but I have not been free in many ways. I felt like there was certain expectation as a pastor or church or that it was expected of me, expected of myself, but then within the freedom, I came to realize how God made me unique. That's different to others. And that there was nothing wrong with being different. There's no right or wrong. There's difference, right? Not everybody is called to be like Jimmy or, you know, Buddy, right? We're different. And so his giftedness is different than my gift. And this is good. This is the diversity. There's beauty in all of these things. In the freedom, I come to recognize who I am all the more. And as I did... I embraced how God made me, and I started stewarding these things. And I've been growing, and I've been faithful, and I've been fruitful. Um, you know, one other thing is, I don't want to go into details, but I think like a business person just naturally. I, here, here's the thing. I remember prices. I don't know if anybody, it's not a photographic memory like Caleb. Caleb can read and he, photographic memory. But when it comes to money or prices, I remember it. Tell me where that is useful, except in business, right? I see it once, for some reason it just sticks. I could read a menu, I, rem I, I would remember it. <laughs> I would go to the shopping center, I would pick up things, and I would go to the register, and it brings up something, and know that you're wrong. And we get into a debate, we check, and of course I'm right. Yeah, I think Publix used to have a policy where they would give it for free. I used to get it for free, and so I stopped contesting. No, I, it happened too often with me. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but it's not what I'm looking for. I just want accuracy. And, but that's the giftedness that God has given me. I, I share that to say there's been freedom to steward what God has given me. I want you to recognize and be honest, how has God given you? How are you stewarding the gifts? You see where I'm going with this? I'm, yeah, I'm, this is why I'm thinking, this is why I'm thinking outside the box. No, I, I, I want to be very careful who I listen to and because not just what others are saying. I want to be very discerning as opposed to what I used to believe. And we all should do, right? But I think we should hear it and consider it, but not to just be, because I have lived the expectations of others for way too long. But what I'm saying is there is freedom when you recognize how God has made you to be. Every one of us, and I see different giftedness, and you don't all have to be the same is my point. There is freedom and who you are, the question is, are you being fruitful to multiply to what has been entrusted to you?
I was considering about this message, and this message has kind of been brewing in me for the last several months. Um, and it was part of the, the message how God came to give abundance. You know, I, I shared that message. There's sowing, and then there's reaping. As I have learned what I've been learning in this past year and the freedom of the resting place, and it really is very special, all the more I wanted you blessed. I, all the more I wanted you to be fruitful, to multiply. Not to play church as we understand church or work. As I have, and I will say, I have played church. Because there were certain traditions and expectations of uh, certain denominational traditions that I had to fulfill. I played church in that setting of what was expected. Believe me, I tried to change some of that because I didn't agree with some things of other traditions. But I bring all that to say there is such freedom at the resting place. There is such freedom in this diversity. There is such beauty in, in the uniqueness of who we are. And if we recognize who we are and be fruitful where you are, I think it can be even more special, more endearing and empowering. That, that's what I see. And I want you to be blessed. Uh, you know, I, I see you know, there were some young men that who's really gifted, I think, the future entrepreneurs in here. Not going to say who, but... I want to empower those individuals. Um, and there's some artists here that has featured artists coming up. And what I'm saying is, it is not for us to only come to church to worship, but be a place where we foster fruitfulness for where we are. I want you to sow into not only yourself, but onto others, onto the next generation. Look for opportunities where how can I invest and sow into my community, into the younger people. Don't be a Peter Parker. Hey, if you remember, he was pretty selfish punk until he realized he was a superhero. He just didn't want to act it. We are far more than we are made right now. It's just a matter of recognizing the power in us. And that's talents. That's gifts. There's a whole study, and I wanna, I'll, I'll close with this. The word for gift in the Bible, in the in New, uh, New Testament Greek, there's many words for it, but one of them is charis, where we get the word charisma. Grace, the grace of God that we say often in the church is charis. Literal translation is the favor of God. It's a gift of God that we don't deserve. Yeah, forgiveness is one of the gifts that we don't deserve. But it is gift of God. If we recognize that there are gifts on you, there are grace upon you, there's a special giftedness that is on you that you need to recognize. That's favor favor of God. 
the moment we recognize that and steward it well, I promise you, you'll never be the same. There is grace on every one of you. And you are more than who you are. You are faithful. You are good. You are empowered. And I want you guys to grow in that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.